Welcome to the e-commerce lab by Ecomsi. This is the place for everything related to Amazon private label and e-commerce. Learn exactly what you need to start or scale your business. Get insights from the top industry experts who will discuss the latest trends and best practices in the world of Amazon. From choosing products and sourcing from a supplier to setting up your Amazon account and marketing your business, you will hear it here. Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano. Hello, guys. Welcome to a new episode of the Commerce Lab by Ecomsi. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, founder and CEO of Ecomsi. And today we're going to be doing another Q&A session as we do every Tuesday at 5 p.m. UK time. This is a session where everybody can jump in, ask their questions, clarify specific topics they have around Amazon, discuss news, strategies, anything that you want. Remember that all these sessions are going to be recorded and are going to be submitted on all our social media channels and also podcasts. So it's going to be also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and also on our YouTube channel. Also remember that on a weekly basis, besides these live sessions that we do on Tuesday for English-speaking people, we also do a session on Thursday for Spanish-speaking people at the same time. And also remember that on Mondays, we always, always drop an episode with a, a guest that we bring in the space that always discuss around the tactics and new strategies around the Amazon space and also mindset entrepreneurship. So we always like to bring people that can really add value. And then on Wednesday, usually I drop an episode where I talk around more technical stuff around strategies, things to consider whenever you are launching your Amazon business and also if you already have an Amazon business, things to consider to keep scaling it and things to avoid in terms of mistakes. Okay, so let's get started with today's session. I'm going to start by bringing to the screen some of the questions we've been receiving for the last week. Remember that usually the questions we bring here on screen are questions that we receive during the week by our team in social media channels, by email, and also during our sessions. So feel free to drop an email or also comment in our social media channels or the different distribution channels for these episodes. And we're going to make sure to cover them on the next episode. Okay, so let's start uh, with the first question of the day. So the first question of the day will be how to check if Amazon is overcharging me on inventory. So this is actually a very good question. And, and I'm surprised a lot of people don't take this into consideration whenever they are running their Amazon business is that they don't take into consideration the fact that Amazon sometimes overcharge you a lot for the inventory because maybe it wasn't uh, measured correctly when it was received on the warehouse or maybe there there are some issues in terms of amazon handling your shippings your returns there are so many fees that are really hidden in the amazon ecosystem that are very easy to miss and um, more for the fact that these fees are like very small fees on a unit basis right we're talking a couple of cents but the thing is as you start um putting all these uh, fees together on each individual cells, if they're charging you the incorrect amount, it starts to add up. And this is where my friends from Getida come into play. Uh, actually, we started a partnership just uh, this week where you can get $400 for free in terms of claiming anything that Amazon has done incorrectly in your account in terms of fees, uh, extra charges, or things like that. 
So it's very easy to set up. You can find a link on, on all your social media channels. And also we're going to be putting that on this episode once it goes live in our different platforms. So on that link, you get registered your account. You connect your Amazon account with the Ketida and they're going to be able to know straight away if there is some things that you can get refunded for. And based on experience, there is definitely always there to get refunded for. I mean, Amazon, we know it's a huge in the, uh, corporation and they handle so many sellers and so many products on a daily basis that it's normal that they can make some mistakes. And that's why you for sure need to use software tools where um, you can take advantage of that. Okay. Um, now, uh, let's see... Um, which other question we got in here? Um, the next question is, um, okay. The next question of the day is, what markets outside of USA are the best to expand to? So this one is always gonna be highly dependent on for sure what is the type of product you're selling on and if you have your account already recent in other marketplaces. But I will say usually if you're already trying, to, if you already have your marketplace in Amazon very well expanded and you're really taking the, the, uh, the most benefit out of it, what you should be trying to start looking uh, in terms of extra marketplaces, I always say East UK and Germany. Um, so these are usually the biggest marketplaces outside of USA, which I will start exploring besides USA. The thing that you need to consider here is that it's always going to depend on the type of product that you're selling. Because the reality is that some products um, are just uh, not good for some specific marketplaces. So this is really something that comes down to exploring the audience and exploring the culture of each specific marketplace. Because, for example, some product might perform super well when it comes to selling that product on, um, let's say, um, USA, but when it comes the time to actually uh, also put that product into Germany, for example, it might be that that product is not well received because of the culture around that specific product, or maybe uh, there is already other products in the market that can solve something similar that people is already well known uh, in terms of using that product in Germany. So all those things are uh, are very important points to consider. And that's actually also part of what we've been discussing on, on past episodes with experts we bring in the space. For example, Omar, he was talking about what we call listing localization, which is making sure you fully optimize and you make sure a listing is prepared for each specific marketplace. So take all that into consideration whenever doing the job. But yes, just to summarize the answer for this question, explore UK and Germany. And then from there, you can start expanding into the other marketplaces within Europe. You can also give it a try, for example, to the new marketplace in the um, AA or also Australia or Canada, Mexico. These are other marketplaces you can for sure explore, which always come down to your product, as I already explained, okay? Next question. So the next question of the day, um, okay. This, how can I see how many competitors convert on the main keywords? Yeah, this one's actually very interesting. Um, I mean, this, of course, is going to depend if you have your brand registered or not, because that's going to basically um, going to allow you to get access to specific tools 
which sometimes if you are not brand registered, you basically don't have access to that data. And what I'm talking about is brand analytics. That is for sure gonna allow you to have a look at your competitors and how they convert on the main keywords. So if you have brand analytics, you can search by keywords and you can see who are the competitors that have the um, basically the market share on that specific keyword. And also it's gonna allow you to fully understand um, what is basically the conversion rate on those keywords. You can then analyze which are the main competitors you should be targeting on your advertising campaign. You can even use those main competitors as a point for research to understand what are the keywords you're advertising for. So brand analytics is very powerful. The only downside is that you need to have brand register. But if you do have brand register, I would advise um, you have a look at that to find what are the keywords they are taking the most, uh, the biggest market share. Now, if you want to use something that is not brand analytics, you can use, for example, Helium 10, which allows you to basically analyze on which keywords your main competitors are uh, advertising and being on page one. And with that data, you can then take assumptions based on the data, of course, that which are the keywords that are driving the most sales for these competitors and then understand from there how you can modify your listing, your advertisement campaign to compensate um, the lack of sales you may have on some of those keywords, okay? Very good question. I think. Brand analytics is something that people for sure don't use a lot nowadays. So definitely if you can um, take advantage of that, if you have brand racer, definitely explore brand analytics. Next question, report to look uh, to make sure you have an optimized listing. Um, yes, usually the reports we have a look at is the report that allows you to see the sales sessions per product async. And the good thing of this report is that you can see, for example, the percentage of sessions in your uh, listing, the amount of people having a look at your listing, how many people click on the listing, the conversion rate, and the sales. So based on that, I will say always take a decision in terms of how you can improve your listing because if you see that your conversion rate is already over 15%, which is very good on Amazon, then of course, you already know that you have a listing that is performing well. But if you see a conversion rate already dropping under 10%, for sure you need to start testing things such as the images, the AC of the listing, the way it's written. So always track your conversion rates and the metrics around your product. So these reports are very useful for that. Make sure that at least every 30 days you have a look at that. We do that with our team and our clients. And for that, you can have a better understanding if the changes you are making and the strategies you are making in terms of advertising are actually bringing you a benefit eh, or not in terms of performance for your product. Next question of the day. If I was acquired by aggregator, does the aggregator buy the entire business or just the seller account? Um, yes, when the aggregator usually buys your business, um, usually the purchase is done at the account level. Usually they buy your a whole Amazon account because for sure, if they don't buy the whole Amazon account, they try to buy just the listing or they try to do the typical hijacking by getting your permission. Sometimes it might bring issues down the line when it comes to PPC advertisement, um, attribution, um, priority of the listing, things like that. So for sure, whenever you sell your business, most of the time the aggregator wants to take whole control of your uh, Amazon Seller Central account. 
how to create campaigns when you have an async with variations. So usually the way to tackle this is that it's all gonna come down to what type of variations your product has, right? So if we are talking here about colors and sizes, then in the example of colors, usually what you wanna do is, let's say you sell a water bottle, which is the example I usually like to use, then what you could have a campaign for your red color bottle, your blue one, your yellow one, and so on, and it's gonna give you a better understanding and a better breakdown of all the campaigns on a variation level, and it's gonna be easier for you to optimize and to also understand which variation performs the best. Because if you put all the same variations within the same listing, uh, sorry, campaign in this case, what is gonna happen is that sometimes because the budget is gonna split two things within all the variations on that campaign, it might end up not giving you a clear vision and understanding of which color is actually performing the best. So to avoid that, try to diversify your campaigns upon your variations based on a color basis. Now, let's say that the variation is actually not color. Let's say the variation is actually around size. So size is more tricky because for sure, sometimes people when looking to shop a product based on a size like clothing, they're not gonna put a small t-shirt or large t-shirt. Most of the time they put the term like t-shirt or hoodie, and then within the listing, they track the size. So on that scenario, I would say rather focus on the listing variation that has the highest position in terms of ranking. Um, which might be due to the images that has the size or the listing the way it's written or just different metrics that you can find that that variation is the one converting the best and advertise that one. So it's all gonna come down on your specific type of variation and then understand if it actually makes sense to make a campaign based on that specific metric or not, okay? So next uh, question of the day, can you explain how to do shipping labels when sending multiple products this, uh, in the same box? So basically this person was asking, let's say you have multiple ASINs and you're sending your shipment to, in this case, to Amazon. You want to understand how can you actually um, make the addition of all these ASIN within the same box and send it to Amazon. So whenever you create your shipping label, Amazon is gonna give you the option to basically um, identify the amount of ASINs you put on a box. And within that box, you need to also specify the dimensions and weight of each individual unit within that main box. And then Amazon is gonna just ask you if you're gonna have multiple products or the same product within the box. You ask basically answer that question. Amazon is gonna give you a specific template to fill based on that answer. And it's very straightforward. So don't worry if you're looking to send different products within the same box, it's definitely allowed. Um, I usually would advise to try to keep different units in their own box just to avoid any kind of mistakes that could always potentially resign. If the Amazon uh, personal mind that uh, read just the product incorrectly or placing the wrong inventory async, so if you can keep it separately, it's better. If not, that's fine. I mean, Amazon also give you the option to deal with that. So don't worry about that, okay? How to optimize Amazon PPC campaigns for seasonal products? So that's the next question. So when it comes to dealing with seasonal products, it's a tricky one for sure, because you don't wanna be advertising your 
product during a season that for sure there isn't demand or traffic already. Let's say you're selling a Halloween product, you don't want to be advertising this product on January. However, we still believe that you, you should never turn your campaigns fully up because you still want to keep some traffic and momentum, even if it's small, going through that listing. So you keep the, the momentum going in terms of the algorithm around that product. So I will say just keep the main keywords, like the top three, five keywords maximum for that product that are very super niche, focused toward that product. You keep on exact campaign and you keep it running with a low budget, maybe 10, 20, $30, just to keep some traffic and clicks coming in. Uh, and then when, when the seasonality comes, then you can definitely expand those campaigns. The other thing is that all the exact campaign, if you have a bigger budget, you could potentially even have an automatic campaign running off side the main season just to try for potential keywords that are being recent due to trends in the social media market, uh, just new ways of people describing the product. And maybe you can discover those keywords in advance to prepare to optimize your listing for a seasonal uh, period and also uh, take advantage of those because if those are new terms, you can definitely be the first one to bring them into um, your listing and PPC campaigns. The next question, have you seen a decrease in sales during January and February? Yes. So we can we have definitely seen um, a decrease in here. And that's totally normal. I mean, don't worry about it. We have seen it across our clients, also with other colleagues in the agency space we have talked to. We, they have also seen a decrease in sales. And this is usually the period when these things happen because you need to consider that most people spend a, a big budget in, in December when it comes to gifts um, pres and presents for the family and all the different things that have to do with the Christmas holiday. So most people don't have the budget after that to really allocate a, and keep buying on Amazon in January and February. So usually you see that dip is very normal, but usually around March, April, you should see your sales going up. Now, for sure, now there are different situations to also consider, which is the fact that worldwide, we also encounter into a situation that is the inflation going on, the whole situation with Ukraine and all these things that for sure are gonna impact sales. But still, you should see a bigger sales period coming up, coming up right now in March and April. Next question is, what is your opinion on bid modifiers? Some bid modifiers, I think you're referring to the placement modifiers. And the placement modifiers are actually very powerful. In fact, we use it a lot when it comes to scaling our campaigns once we have our initial data. And what it allows to do is that let's say you identify a keyword that is performing super well in your exact campaigns, but within that exact campaign, it might be that you have other keywords as well. So what you wanna do with a bid modifier is that you basically want to bring that keyword um, to your isolated campaign, just that keyword as an exact match, and then you can use a bid modifier to take advantage of positioning that keyword on the placement that you have discovered that perform the best for your product. So let's say that for some reason you identified that one of the specific keywords on your exact match campaign is performing very well at top of the placement. What you wanna do is you're gonna take that keyword, put it on a campaign, in this case, um, exact match campaign by on its own. And within that campaign, you wanna use a, a, play, a bid modifier to make sure that you bid more when it comes to top of the placement, because the reality is that we have found that 75% of the sales most of the time come from top of the placement. Therefore, if you are not there, you are really missing out in traffic. 
and then that can for sure allow you to take advantage of re-optimizing that term even further i have a better control in terms of the traffic and the overall performance of that keyword so yeah build modifier for sure have a look at it and use it use it also wisely because it can become expensive if you don't do it correctly so make sure you use it uh, when you have really the data to back that up right you have the data that really proves that that keyword type of the placement is becoming a very efficient in terms of conversion it's actually profitable for you to keep that keyword on that position okay. um let's see which are a uh, question we're going in here uh, okay we have another question i'm not indexing what should i do yes this question actually we get it a lot um, this has always uh, to do with how you optimize your listing i always mention make sure when you have indexing issues that you have that key on your title bullet points search terms and and the description is possible uh, if you don't have the uh, key anywhere around your listing make sure you add it first and wait a couple of hours and see if the, the listing is indexing if the listing is still not indexing, then most of the time it's a category issue. Try to have a look at your category and make sure your category actually makes sense. Because for example, sometimes we have found products that, of clients that they sell on the baby category, but for some reason this were actually listing the product on toys category, because of course they are similar, maybe you're selling a toy that could be for baby. So it could be confusing and maybe you end up having it on the, the main toy category. And sometimes those small changes can actually affect what it, uh, the indexing of the actual keyword so make sure you're using the actual category that correspond to what your competitors are using and to make sure that actually helps you with indexing then if that actually doesn't fix the issue you should always try to just drive a couple of cells through that specific keyword because if the product is too new sometimes amazon struggles to relate your product to that specific keyword so after a few three five cells usually we have seen the indexing issue getting fixed and if at that stage then it's still not working, then we would advise to then upload a flat file to reset your listing to make sure the back end and the front end is fully optimized again while containing that queue. Okay. Um, <clears throat> which are uh, question do we have in here? Oh yes, this question: Does the keywords on your A plus content indexes? Yes, um, we have found that adding keywords to the A plus content index, especially if you add it on the section of your A plus content, that it will be the description that you add when uploading an image and also making sure that you take advantage of the actual text of the A plus content. So for sure, we have found that sometimes where we are not indexing because we don't have the keyword anywhere in the listing, when we add that uh, keyword on the A plus content, sometimes we index. It doesn't work most of, most of the time for some reason, but sometimes we for sure can see that adding keywords on the A plus content helps uh, with the uh, index, indexing of that specific keyword if we didn't have it on the, on the list. Okay. Great. I think, let me see. Yes, I think we're done for today. Thank you very much for all the questions. I appreciate it. So um, I think let's conclude today's session. First of all, I want to thank everybody that's been subscribing to our channel, sending this question, liking and sharing uh, with your community. It definitely helps a lot. I mean, it helps a lot to reach other people in the space, 
to keep bringing people to the community where we can share this knowledge and actually support people keep scaling their business on Amazon. Feel free to always reach out to me or to my team in, in our social media channels or website or by email. We are always happy to help. In fact, we are actually always giving the free consultation for free, the first one. So we'll make sure we answer any of your questions, actually even give you guidance on the issues you're having, and then for sure explore if we can be part of your journey when it comes to scaling your brand on Amazon. Remember that all these episodes are gonna be available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and actually and we are now starting to even record live and uploading all these episodes on Twitch. Some people might use that platform instead of YouTube, so feel free to also watch us in there. And also on Twitter, we are going live. So if you have Twitter, maybe on your way to work or returning from work during lunch, I mean, now you have as many platforms as possible to have a look at our content on live, okay? Thank you once again. Definitely take care, guys. Feel free to, again, ask anything. We're here to help. And definitely see you in the next one, okay? Take care. Have a nice week ahead. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc.